I have two readings for us today that we will be reflecting on. One is from Genesis and the other is from Romans. And before I read the word, let us pray. We thank you for these holy scriptures that have been preserved for us down through the centuries. And as your church today, we can reflect on your word with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the one who you promised, Lord Christ, to be our teacher, to remind us of what you taught. Come and illumine our minds and our understanding, Holy Spirit. Through Christ we pray, amen. We are about to hear the story of a man whose faith in God has been an inspiring example for people of faith for centuries. Abraham, otherwise known as Abram, shows us how to listen and respond to God's call. As you listen to this reading, notice what captures your imagination. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Now we'll hear from another man of faith, St. Paul. We tend to think that our call as followers of Jesus is about works, about what we do. But Paul challenges this thinking. In this passage that we are about to hear, Paul teaches us what faith is. And he uses Abraham as his example it's about belief and trust. Abraham walked in faith with God who was faithful in every way. Hear the word of the Lord. What then shall we say that Abraham our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. 
It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law of their heirs, faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who have the faith Abraham had. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pastor Denise. Okay, there we go. Thanks, Kate. I want to warn you this morning that um, during the pandemic, God called someone to join our ministry team at Renewal Ministries Northwest, which is a ministry of prayer and renewal, who is of a Pentecostal background on our team. And yesterday, Diana and I, and she's praying for us all this morning, by the way, Yesterday, Diana and I were privileged to lead a discernment retreat with a church in the Seattle Presbytery that is known as a charismatic Presbyterian church. Yes! So we don't know. We've already been talking a lot about the Spirit this morning, so get ready, folks. Well... Many years ago, I discovered a great gift in my parents' home. Both of them have passed now. But buried under piles of paper in a drawer were copies of letters that had been sent by my maternal great-great-grandparents from the U.S. to their family who remained in Holland in the 18, late 1880s. Well, I read with great anticipation, of course, of their arrival here, their journey through Iowa, the Dakotas, finally ending up way out there on Whidbey Island. And from there, they dispersed. Some went up to Linden. We all know that. There's lots of Dutch people up there. But many people don't know there were lots of Dutch people over in the Yakima Valley as well, where I grew up. Well, when they arrived, they planted churches. Just such a faith-filled bunch. But what I noticed as I read these letters was a greater sense of connection, rootedness, and belonging in myself. Well, fast forward several years, these letters are now in my possession, and I rediscovered them at the height of the pandemic. 
which as we all know was a time of great transition, disorientation, fear. And as I read them, some of those same feelings started to return. Those good feelings, the rootedness, the connection, belonging, and even hope. Because guess what? When they were traveling across this country, they didn't know what was going to happen with their descendants. I know more of the story. I'm part of that family. And many of my relatives have remained grounded in the faith that was passed on to us. Well, our scripture passage in Genesis today, in particular, is a very wonderful place for us to return to in this second Sunday of Lent. And we're going to see more why in just a minute. But before we go there, I want to name something important today. Where we find ourselves today as individuals, as a faith community, as a society. It was actually named profoundly recently by someone I very much admire. We had the privilege of having a Zoom conversation, which is just so lovely in this era now, with our former Dean of Students at Regent College, when Diana and I were both students there getting our MDivs. He is now the president of Ambrose University and Seminary in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. His name is Gordon Smith. Gordon is a person who chooses his words well, very articulate. He's also a pastor and a prolific author. Well, on our brief call, we asked him to speak to us just a bit about the culture there. What's going on at the seminary, Gordon? Well, I'm telling you, like that, he said, the depth of fear and anxiety these students are experiencing is pathological. Much of this fed by social media. Well, he went on to tell us more about how this manifests and what he believes is needed to address this. We're going to hear a bit more from Gordon towards the end of the sermon about that. But friends, here's the reality. It's not just the students in Canada. Fear is casting a pall over everything, even our churches. If it festers and leads to worry, that's when things get really rough. I had to spend some time naming and releasing fear recently with my spiritual director. In two short months, I had come across five very serious car accidents. Like, I was so close to being in them. And I know at least one of them in which there was a fatality. And so every time I'd get in my car to go somewhere, I'd just feel this anxiety welling up. Well, I want to invite you for just a minute. Go inward just a bit. What's right there at the surface for you? What might that fear be impacting your life? And what are you doing with the fear? Well, in the midst of this, we're invited today to go back to our roots. 
to consider what grounds us and orients us, releases us from the fear, which is normal, by the way, to experience, and enables us all to be salt and light in our homes, our places of business, our neighborhoods, while on vacation, wherever we may be on a day-to-day basis. Our passage today from Genesis 12 tells of our origins of, of, as the family of faith. It's where our story begins. The story takes up after 11 chapters of a really hard, messy time in human history. Oh my goodness, humans have been messing up so much. From murders to trying to run the world on their own power, all happened right there in those first 11 chapters. Wow. So God steps into the scene very personally and speaks to Abram directly. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will, it's a future event, show you. I will is spoken five times in these four short verses, all pointing to several important things for our faith journey today as individuals and as a church body in this time of great transition. Perhaps we're feeling some disorientation and fear in the midst of so much that has changed. Now. And here are several things I bring forth for us to be reminded of today as a way of helping us to feel and know that we are rooted and grounded, friends. First, we see here in Genesis that God is the initiator. God is the primary actor in all of history, lest we forget that. He hasn't given up being the primary actor. God, as primary actor, is the giver of all good gifts, including our faith and the blessings that flow from our faith. Second, in this passage, we see that God does speak directly to Abram. God is relational, intimately involved. And third, God does have good things in store. Always, from the beginning, God has desired to bless us, to make a way where there seems to be no way. Many times we may not be able to see what God is doing on our behalf, but the story tells us that God will do what God says God will do. And here's the thing. God, who who encountered Abram at 75 years old and with a barren wife, said what? In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Huh. What in the world was Abram thinking? Well, you can't convince me that something profound did not happen in this encounter with God. For us to then hear in verse 4, So Abram went, as the Lord had told, and Lot went with him. They were human beings, just like you and me. And friends, as Paul points out, this was long before the law had been given to and through Moses and the prophets had spoken, God spoke directly to Abram, and Abram acted on God's word with so little known about the future. Our origin of faith with a covenant God 
Well, let me go back to my first point. God is initiator and primary actor in history. Our sermon titled today, Faith-Infused Following, invites us to explore a little bit what faith is. And let me begin with a short story of what faith is not. I'm trained as a social worker. I have an MSW and spent 15 years training and working in multiple medical settings. And I had a kind of a bridge year between that and going to seminary, in which I worked on a church staff in a ministry where volunteers were trained to come alongside families who had children with cancer. So I remember in that role, sitting with a mom in a waiting room at Children's Medical Center, we were getting acquainted, and she said to me at one point, I'm so confused. I have so many people in my faith community telling me and my husband, if we had more faith, our son would be healed. That, friends, is trying to muster up something in our own strength that will not get us anywhere, especially in times like that. Well, to that, Shirley Guthrie, a theologian who taught for many years at Columbia Theological Seminary, which is a PCUSA seminary in Georgia, says this. This is a little bit lengthy, so what I want to invite you to do is just let these words flow over you. What's happening to your heart as you hear these words about faith? Our faith, he says, does not force or enable God to love us. But it is our way of acknowledging, receiving, enjoying, and returning the love of God that God had for us long before we ever thought of loving God. Our faith does not change God from being against us into being for us, but it does change us from being closed to being open to receive the love God has always had for us. He goes on to say, Faith is trust. It is confidence in God. It is believing the God we come to know in the Bible. It is the kind of personal relationship, a total commitment of ourselves to the living God whose trustworthiness has been proved by God's powerful and loving action for us in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Amen. It is gift. Friends, I have hung around this congregation for a very long time. We are a faithful congregation. We get things done around here. So much good has come through those God has led to this fellowship, and it will indeed happen again. But here's the thing. We have been in a season for many reasons of not fully knowing where we are going, what we are to do, what we are to truly focus on. And just like Abram, God is saying to us, I will show you. I will reveal things to you. I want you to continue to become more and more familiar with my voice 
and to know deeply my love for you. God wants to and will speak into our individual lives and this community of faith. Our task at this point could be an invitation to consider our faith. Do I live as though I have to work at receiving God's love and grace and mercy and care? Or am I more in a place where I ask God daily to make me more aware that that love is already there, coming at me, coming for me, and that goodness is constantly extended towards me? Likely, we're a mixture of both. And we need to ask the question, what do I truly desire? I'm going to tell you, my faith has faltered at times during this long season. The pandemic, the transitions, cultural changes, so much has gone on. And many times I've come in here to worship so delighted when we could finally be back together to see faces of friends and people I love and new faces that God is bringing in here. But my heart has felt very sad when I don't see faces of people I used to see. And I have no idea, we sometimes have no idea why they're not here anymore. This is where we find ourselves. For a while, I thought, okay, I'm just going to start reading those things out there. So many things are being published about what we need to do as churches, the strategies we need to have to get people back here. Those people that left us, they're going to they're gonna discover something that we're putting out there, and they're going to go, yes, I want back there. But what I come back to time and time again is my faith my faith is needing fresh infusion. But God has got this and all of us. Well, I pointed to the reality that God spoke directly to Abram. God is all about relationship. Yes, God is fully other. We acknowledge that. God is God, but our God is relational. I'm learning yet again that God desires our honesty, hearing our struggles, and wants to know when we feel weak or confused. That's what God can take and transform and bring life to. It's what God did time and time again with Abram and all the descendants. You know, you'd pick up the story right on the heels of what we've read today, and people got confused. What's this supposed to look like? What am I supposed to do? Why am I not having a child yet? How is this going to keep happening? All these questions that got put before God, and what did God do? Oh, stop asking. No. That is not what God did. If we fast forward to the prophets in Isaiah 55, 10 through 11, this is what God does. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. 
No empty words from God, friends. So we're invited to soak in God's word. To become even more familiar with who God is, with God's heart, and with God's ways. What God speaks is life-transforming. That's what we get to rest in, in this season. Finally, I pointed out from this short passage on the call of Abram that God's desire was to bless all of us, all the descendants. Our covenant God, who has bound himself to us to be our God, is working things out for that purpose and to give us purpose. We know so much more of the story today. God's covenant love for us extended so deeply that God was willing to send Jesus. And the beauty of the season of Lent is we get to understand more of what that means on our journey to Easter. So how can our faith be infused so that we are truly followers of this risen Christ? In other words, those who are attuned to the voice of Jesus. Well, back to Gordon Smith, who I believe points to three important spiritual practices for the times in which we find ourselves. What helps to address the fears that may be diminishing our faith in God? What helps in our call as a community of faith who have been invited to abide in Christ to go even deeper? He states in his book, Wisdom from Babylon, that we're called to meet Christ today in real time. In real time. Like Abram was met by God in real time. In our times of prayer, in the inner recesses of our hearts and minds, we need and can hear the words of Christ that he spoke to his disciples and now says to all of us, do not be afraid. I am with you always. So here they are, three spiritual practices that I believe can help us. One, he says, spend time with God in prayer, opening up to the Psalms, and slowly and in small amounts on a daily basis, actually he says morning and evening, pray through them. Because the Psalms help us to awaken what's going on in here, what needs to come out and be brought to the Lord's presence. And then cast your cares on God as 1 Peter encourages us to do. That's the first one. Secondly, he says, remember the spiritual practice of Sabbath keeping. I know we've heard so much about how life started to bleed. You know, as we were able to work from home, it just felt like there were no boundaries. And I'm one of those people that has struggled to get those boundaries, right? So Gordon says, whenever you do it, maybe it's today, maybe it's Monday morning. Maybe it's Saturday afternoon, but maybe you actually have a 24-hour period. That's the best part. But in a culture of fear, he says, we need a simple practice of disengagement. We rest from our work, leave worries with God, and focus on things that are very life-giving for us, things that are renewing and enjoyable. Blessings. And third, we come 
to this table that Christ has prepared for us where we receive bread for the road and we can experience a real-time encounter with the living Christ. This is not just some rote thing we do once a month to come here. I've checked that off my list today. It's never been meant for that. It has been meant for us to receive what Christ wants to give us right now today. Yes, this is where our hope and our faith is renewed and freshly infused by Jesus, who wants to speak to us. As you come to this table today, you may sense an invitation from the Holy Spirit to rest your fear with Jesus. And let Jesus replace it with peace, joy, and hope. You may be longing for a fresh infusion of the faith that you've been given in order to, con to step forward on this journey with God, even though it appears murky. You may need healing from a wound that has caused you to doubt you even have faith. All of that all of that, Jesus says, bring it here. So I would invite you to come. You may, you know, there's this beautiful space right here under this cross. You may want to come with your elements and linger there. That is perfectly okay, more than okay for you to do today. But come, because Jesus wants to minister to you. <laughs>